are listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. And your boy, Karis Jordan. And we are sipping tea while spilling tea. Good afternoon, family. What's up? You're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. And today we are sipping tea while spilling tea with celebrity fashion designer, Mr. Miguel Wilson is in the building. How are you doing, Miguel? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm so glad to get you on the line, get you in on our show. Um, I've admired your work for a long time, so I'm glad to be able to speak with you today. Oh, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. No problem. So where are you originally from? I grew up in Washington, D.C. I knew it. Yeah, that's home for me. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. home for me as well. I was actually yep. born in D.C., raised in uh, PG County. Um, okay. So all of my friends and family from home, they're like, oh, we know Miguel. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you know, I have a story. I have a story there as well at the National awesome. Harbor. Where is, oh, you got one by the harbor. That's nice. Yeah, so yeah. What other locations do you have for your uh, your your um, store right now? So, of course, here in Atlanta, at in, in in Phipps Plaza, and in Miami, we're in Coral Gables. Very cool. Oh my goodness! So, did you always have an interest in fashion? Um, I always loved clothes for sure. Uh, you know, I after graduating from college, I. Uh, you know, worked in, in a corporate environment for for a number of years and ended up investing and buying into a uh, custom clothing business. And so that was my start mm-hmm. in the business. And I pretty much got in and never got out. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. So when you were growing up, it, that wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I'm going to be a designer. I'm going to have my I own Never, line. not once. Ever. I always thought I was going to be a football really? player. Really? <laughs> really that's crazy so so you were a athlete growing up i played sports i actually rode right. horses more than i did anything else uh believe it or not which is kind of a rare oh, thing particularly cool. uh growing up in dc but that, that was my real passion was uh riding horses wow that's really cool so who introduced you to polo <clears throat> well, you know, as I said, I rode horses growing up as a kid. Uh, I fell in love with horses at a camp, uh, summer camp, and went home. And all I talked about was horses from that day forward. So you know, I did a lot of reading in the library about horses, and and my great grandmother paid for me to take some riding lessons. So that that kind of furthered my uh, education in horses per se, learning how to ride and so forth. But um, Polo came later as an adult, so you know I did different types of riding, and probably about fifteen years ago was when I first, uh, you know, took a polo lesson and got interested in playing polo. That is so interesting. So, what was it like, like being in love with horses in DC? Like, were you the? How did you even hear about them? You know, of course, your family introduced you to it and you took lessons in the camp. But what was it like, like having a passion for it? Did 
other people around well, you support that? Well, where I grew up, I grew up in Northwest Washington, and that wasn't something you talked about around there. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what I'm something. asking you. <laughs> yeah, you. That's not something you want to. You want to uh, have them thinking, you know, you a cowboy or something. Growing, I grew up. It was a, we had enough problems uh, growing up there, and you know, it just wasn't a popular thing to do. Of course, yeah. and you know, I think as a people. Black people, we see certain things, certain sports, and certain activities, and just automatically discount it as something not for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think polo is one of those things where, you know, while you know we may have a curiosity about it or or mm-hmm. so forth, but you know, we just automatically discount it as you know that's something that they do. That's not something yeah. for us. And, I, I you know, I don't think we should be giving away opportunities for our happiness or situations Absolutely. that could be our passions. You know, I think, you know, unfortunately, our mindset has limited our kids and mm-hmm. their opportunities because we discount certain opportunities as being something not for us. So you have a lot of kids growing up in... in, in uh, in the cities who aspire to be basketball and football players, which is fine, but everyone can't be a professional basketball yeah. or football player. Yeah. And and everyone's not even good at those sports. So, <laughs> exactly. But if that person that's not good at that could very well be a top-level polo player. Yeah. You know? I could so, agree with you more. Right. I that's that's that, why I started um, my foundation, which is a ride to the Olympics, which uh, creates opportunities for kids in inner cities, inner cities to be exposed to horses, but more importantly, to be exposed to the people that they yeah. otherwise would never meet. You know, you have a lot yeah. of uh, money in, in the sport and just horses in general. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who very well own farms or horses and, and or play polo and so forth, they never would go to inner city neighborhoods that these kids live in. Yeah. However, I think exposure is also part of it as well. Like I think that a lot of um, your inner city youth aren't necessarily exposed to um, the different options. You know, it's very limited. Like my little brother grew up playing golf. And right. he um, he now is a professional, and it was not something popular for him. You know, yeah. it wasn't something that everyone. Your brother's a professional to. golfer. Yeah, he actually. So he just um, signed, um, but he yeah he paid for Middle Tennessee. He's finishing up um, school, and now he just signed with an agent, and he played in his first. He played in the. Um, the, his first professional tournament this year. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, he, a, that's he, awesome. <clears throat> and yep. Golf was one of those things. I'm, I'm a golfer as well. Oh, awesome. And so, yeah, I, um, I, have a, I play pretty much weekly. And have really? been playing golf for 30 years. I've been a golf for 30 years. So it's not, you know, I've been... Very nice. Oh, yeah, you got it. But, you know, the thing was, it was, a, it was a game <laughs> I was curious about. And so, I, I, you know, I exposed myself to it. So... Yeah, absolutely. And that's really the, um, you know, I think that 
having and being around people who um, are open to even you being interested in other things. Like, you know, you, you can, especially where we're from, it's really easy to, to just be exposed to what's around you and people look at you different. <laughs> right. You're interested right. in other things. And, um, you know, it's really becoming that lead that gives that okay. Like, no, it's okay to move forward. And I think there's a fear there as well. Um, no question. A fear of doing something different and how people will um, look at you and things like that. But I think we're mm-hmm. doing, I mean, we're showing as a culture that we dominate in different sports. <laughs> you got right. tennis and you got all these things. I mean, even golf, you know, we Right. Well, you know the thing. The thing is, when when you're taking on different sports, you have to be willing to subject yourself to failure. Oh yeah. You know, you got to be willing to uh, look ridiculous, okay, for a minute because (laughs) you know learning is you're going to look ridiculous learning because because these are not easy things to do. So you know, I remember. Uh, my first time playing in a uh, in a group. I worked in, in for a corporation, and um, and they had a golf outing, and you know it was all these white guys, and and you know I was probably the only black guy there, <clears throat> and I, I went to the tee box. I never had a lesson. I just figured, you know, man, you know, I'm an athlete, so you know I, I can get this. I no can problem. do this. <laughs> I, I can do this. No problem. Well, I got up there and swung with all my might, and I started looking for the ball. And I looked down; the ball was still there on the tee, on the ground, right in front of me. I didn't; I missed the whole thing. <clears throat> Did that a couple times, and, and and it was it was really embarrassing. It was it was one of those really uncomfortable, quiet, you know, quiet moments. But but that embarrassment made me more determined. So so some people would have said, you know what, I'm never doing this again. But for me, it was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this game beat me. They playing it, so I know I can do it. And so I just exactly. took lessons, and, I, and it, it furthered my interest in it versus making me, you know, less interested. It made me more interested, and I wanted to be good at it, so I worked at it. And uh, I eventually became a, a, you know, pretty good golfer, a single handicap. And, um, nice. you know, but uh, that's that was my passion. I gave myself an opportunity, and I actually mm-hmm. liked it, so I kept on doing it. But... Uh, but polo, um, this is to me the mm-hmm. highest level of uh, what's the word? This is the king sport. Okay, these are this. Mm-hmm. This is a game that very, very wealthy people are involved with. Okay, and it's a uh, game that we may feel more intimidated by uh, because of you know that stigma that comes with it. So this is why I created the Atlanta fashion and polo classic to give where, and and the tagline is where culture and class connect is to give us an opportunity to experience this phenomenal sport with our culture in mind. Absolutely. And in a way that we can go there and not be intimidated by not knowing the rules of the game or not understanding, yeah. you know, all of the things that we may go to a, to uh, a typical polo event, which is generally, you know, a white sponsored event. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to, you know, assimilate to their culture in those environments. Whereas here we celebrate our music, we celebrate our food, we celebrate our fashion. And this year at the Fashion Polo Classic, we want to celebrate our businesses because this is the first luxury event ever where all of the vendors and sponsors are either black-owned or black-managed. And this includes Bentley of Atlanta, which uh, their general manager is uh, a guy by the name of Sid Barron. These are black-owned champagne companies. We have a black-owned rosés, whiskeys, vodkas, tequilas. Wow. We have a black uh, uh, distributor, uh, spirit distributor, uh, Forte Spirits. We have. So, what was it? What was it that really made it so that you wanted to do an event for this? Like, what was it? Because this is the third annual. So, right. what was the pivotal moment? Like, you know what? I want to expose this to my people. Like, when was? Mm-hmm. When did that come? I remember the moment specifically. I was riding. I got finished playing up in Alpharetta, mm-hmm. and I was bringing my horse back up the hill and a black gentleman who worked at the farm driving a pickup truck was driving in opposite direction from me and he stopped right beside me and he said, were you playing? And I said, yeah. He said, I've never seen a black guy out here playing. (laughs) And it hit me as to the opportunity I had to change that. So, What we so what I did is I came with the and I tied in my passion, of course, with fashion, and came with this concept of the Atlanta Fashion Polo Classic to introduce the game, the sport, and just have a fun event for people. But it's all to raise money for my foundation. Oh, and I'm tell gonna tell you what's significant. So the foundation is Ride to the Olympics. So- it's named Ride to the Olympics because there's never been an African American to ride on the United States Equestrian Team in history wow. ever. Last year, at our second annual Atlanta Fashion Polo Classic, we introduced to the world the first black polo team of a black college in history. And that was, we created a polo team at Morehouse College. And I am the founder of that team. That is awesome. This year at the Polo Classic, and mind you, when when we introduced the team last year, there was only one guy that rode horses. So we had three <laughs> players that had never ridden a horse before. And literally over the last year, we've given them all the lessons they needed, riding and, and, and so forth. And they will be playing this year for the first time for the public at the uh, third annual Fashion Polo Class oh, October 11th. So it's going to be a historic so event for is, many how reasons. Are people, how are people receiving the team? Like, how is it... As far as it being a new sport or a new, it's not a new sport. It's a new sport to the culture per se, especially right. the Morehouse culture with the first team. Right. What? How are people receiving it? Overwhelmingly, like people want to see this team. They want to see uh, this event, and it's, it's going to be a uh, epic and historic situation, having them take the field for the first time. Pretty impressive. Because no one's seen so that before. You, 
So explain polo so for those who don't know. How does it how does it work? Is it is it polo is kind of like hockey but on a horse. So okay. there is a goal at both ends of a field. The field is 300 yards long, so it's about three football fields long. Oh my! It's word. about two football fields wide. Yeah, 200 yards wide, wow. 300 yards long, and basically you have four players on each team, and the goal is to hit the ball between your goal. So it's a very fast-paced game. It's uh, a lot of horsepower, as you can imagine. <laughs> it's split up in what they call chuckers. So in football and basketball, they got quarters, but mm-hmm. in polo we call it chuckers so you got four chuckers and they're seven and a half minutes long each chucker so generally we play two chuckers and then have a halftime then we have two more chuckers every chucker you have to switch horses because you run so what? much and, and wear them out so literally playing a game uh is you'll need about 16 horses per wow team I so you got to play the game polo Again, Paul, you're talking about uh, uh, each person having four horses that's on the field. So that's why it makes it so expensive. And these are not like your regular horses. (laughs) These are like specially trained trained polo horses, okay? We call them polo ponies uh, in the sport. So it's a a unique experience, yeah. Okay. So so let me explain this to you. I think it's very significant about my foundation and about this event. The first two years that we did this event, I was the only black player on the field. Wow. Okay. This year, we are flying in for the tournament. The number one black male polo player in the country, guy by the name of Kareem Rosser. He won a championship in, in college, as well as was named the number one player number one collegiate player by the United States Polo Association. He's coming in to play with us. We got the number one female black player coming in. Her name's Shariah Harris. She uh, was the first black woman to ride at the highest level in polo in the United States. Wow. She rides when for Cornell. She, when did she do that? What year? It was two years ago. Wow. Yeah, so she's uh, 2017, 2018, but she was, she's the first black woman to ride at that level, and she will be here to perform. Both of them, quite ironically, were part of a a, uh, a Ralph Lauren uh, campaign around black mm-hmm. equestrians. So mm-hmm. you can Google them, you'll see pictures from Ralph Lauren, them doing photo shoots and stuff like that with them. So that was, uh, uh, if you Google, you know, Ralph Lauren, you know, black equestrian ad, it'll come up. But um, they're coming in this year. Again, I said last year I was a, I was a, I was the only person of color to play. This year we have ten other black polo players. Oh my! Word. All of them are products of a program geared towards getting inner city kids to play. So the programs awesome. are working, right? Wow. So what was the pivotal moment when you decided that, like, I want to do fashion, like, as well as, I mean, because you, was there a a moment, 
I mean, you said you bought the, and this is a little, just switching back to your right, um, you. your clothing really quickly. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it all tied in. Because you said recently that, you know, fashion is your passion. and right. But it wasn't necessarily what you grew up. Is it something you grew to be passionate about? Or was it well, you know, business? I was a, um, I've been always an entrepreneur, so I always thought about uh, business, and, and that's what okay. I studied in college, not knowing that it would be fashion, or at least forever, because I think when I yeah. got into it, it was just something I was doing at the time, and that was pretty much the case. Uh, you know, I, I did dabbled in other things, but in 2011... I had a huge failure in my business, uh, the economy, everything went bad, and literally I had to file bankruptcy. Oh, wow. So when I was sitting at home and I thought about the fact that here I am, after all these years of working, um, um, I have nothing left. I, I, and and I thought, you know what, this is, this is the opportunity time I have to reinvent myself, mm. recreate what I want the way I wanted. So I really thought about what I wanted to be and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to do it. And, um, you know, I realized that that fashion was still where I wanted to be. It's what I loved doing. And I started a new company. And at that point in time, I named it, you know, Miguel Wilson Collection. And Mm -hmm. began the process of reinventing myself. And mm. I thought that what I wanted to do was be a internationally known designer. Yeah. So I looked at the other designers and said, what did they do to become famous? How did they get there? And, and most of them I found entered into fashion and became well known for something, one thing or another. Okay. Hmm. While many of them may do a lot of things today. They, like Ralph Lauren, pretty known, much known for the polo shirt. Sure. Mm-hmm. Calvin Klein, you know, for his jeans. You know, and, mm-hmm. and to all these designers, you can always go back and see their start what was, was handbags. Okay. So their start was okay. this or that. So my start was focused on weddings for men. Mm-hmm. I felt that no one was doing it. No one was, was focused on grooms. Everyone yeah. was focused on the bride, you know, the high-end gowns that. and so forth. Vera Wang. You could name you could name one designer at that time that specialized in really nice tuxedos for men, for men's weddings. Yeah. So I created the tagline. Uh, I created Miguel Wilson Wedding Collection for Men, and the tagline because it's his day too, and mm-hmm. that slogan that line and then the clothes I designed to go with it resonated with Man, a lot of brides. <laughs> yeah. A lot of brides actually uh started, you know, sending their their uh fiancés to me. Matter of fact mm-hmm. to this day probably eighty percent of my grooms are come from the bride. <laughs> the, the, that's how you find out but my, my my fiance she follows you or she, you know, uh told me we need to deal with you. And so forth. Yeah. So that's that's Absolutely. um. So I'm in fashion for what? good. 
at this yeah, point. Yeah, and you know what? I love it, though. I I couldn't agree with you more in, regra- in regards to, like, finding that niche. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like you have, man, you took over that niche just with it being stylish and it's not bland. You know, like your clothing right. has its own personality. And I feel, uh, is it custom? So I, I do, we do custom stuff. So we have, we have a couple things. So one, I design clothes myself and I have them in my stores. So a guy can go mm-hmm. in my store. And we have this happen at times where guys, you know, uh, get, get behind the eight ball and start shopping for their uh, wedding attire <laughs> a little late. Or, you know, we have guys sometimes who just need something for red carpet or birthday and they don't have time to have stuff made or whatever. So they shop and then they'll look and we, we got things yeah. in the store that um, a lot of guys, you know, love to have. But, you know, many grooms uh, have a vision that they want brought to life. You know, they might have some ideas on the colors or something unique. Or they maybe they yeah. want something classic with just a touch of just personality with it. So in those cases, yeah. you know, I can we, my team we we very good at designing and bring these uh, visions to life. So we do that quite I love often. It. I remember mm-hmm. I was just looking at I think a coat you did with the the comics or like in the inside. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. We do that custom lining. So cool. Yeah, yeah, custom. We do with, with the pictures on the side. One guy, you know, he's a big Kobe Bryant fan. Mm. So we did uh, one side with. Uh, you know, uh, Kobe's jersey, one side, and then his other jersey, the purple one on the other side, you know, one twenty four yeah. one with, with the number eight. So, And this you know. is in the interior of the jacket? Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. You got guys so sometimes, you know, yeah. So, you know, well, guys will want to represent their college or the school or whatever, too. So we mm-hmm. customize stuff like that, too, as well. All right, I love it. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break. Make sure you stay tuned in. And we're going to get back. we got to talk a little bit more about the fashion, the third annual Fashion and Polo Classic and how you can yes. get involved, yes. get your tickets and all that great stuff, and also where you need to go to get your man fabulous. <laughs> right. And you have, you have some connections with some female designers as well, right? Oh, yeah, we have a... Uh... We we have an we have many designers that are affiliated with with uh, the event, and actually we're doing a fashion show just for them coming up as well. All right, y'all. So we're gonna get into it. So make sure you stay tuned to Afternoon Tea Radio with your girl Maria Jordan. Hey everybody, it's Jay Nash, creator of Girl Power Hour Radio. I am right here on Afternoon Tea Radio Atlanta. What's up, people? This is Zimzon speaking. You're listening to Afternoon Tea. Stay tuned. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Goddess, and you're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio. Swagger Magazine is a proud sponsor of Afternoon Tea Radio Show, airing every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you visit us at swagger.net and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Check our swag, we're more than a mag. Have you been looking for a radio station that gives you sports? I don't believe it! It's a touchdown! Entertainment? Are you not entertained? And other special interest talk shows? Well, isn't that special? All on one app? Yo, that's dope. What app is that? It's the real 1100 AM app for WWE. Grab it for free in your Google Play or Apple App Store today. 
Peace and blessings. It's Jay Morris, and I'm rocking with the Afternoon Tea. This is pianist, vocalist Carol Albert, and I'm tuned in to the Afternoon Tea. So come join us. Yo, 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 yo. This your man, Mr. 23, Henderson Maddox, straight out of Atlanta. I'm on Afternoon Tea Radio with Maria Jordan and Karis Jordan. What's up? Hey, 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 But it ain't getting better Cause you can't be blind with eyes wide open And I see struggle, I see pain I see only the mess we make I see things that I can't change And it hurts my heart to say I cry for the sons without fathers the pain that the mothers hold deep inside And I'll fight for the future we're making We can change if we face it Cause these tears won't dry So I cry See someone that cares for others Oh, no, 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 no Do I love myself more than my sisters, sisters and brothers? I don't know Now I've seen struggles, I've seen pain I've seen beyond the mess we made I've seen things that I cannot change it hurts my heart to say I cry For the sons without fathers And the pain that their mothers Hold deep inside So I'll fight For the future we're making we'll change if we face it Cause these tears won't dry So I cry The promise is broken I will stand by your side I'll fight For the ones who stop dreaming And the ones who stop believing You're not alone I feel your pain
What's up, family? You're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. And I have the amazing celebrity fashion designer, entrepreneur, um, polo. I mean, he got a lot going on, y'all. Mr. Miguel Wilson is in the building. What's up? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about you? Hmm. Well, uh, I think because maybe because I play polo and, and do a lot of things, they don't understand really uh, my connection with the community, maybe to a degree. Mm. Um, I can see, you know, people have a perception of you based on a lot of things. But, you know, being and dealing with like, you know, I've done, I did two chains wedding and, and all the mm-hmm. housewives weddings, Marco Flocka and. Kim and all these guys and you know so they can think that you know well he won't work with a guy like me <laughs> okay mm. so but yeah. what they don't realize is is 90% of my business are, are average guys you know so yeah. and, and we work very hard to provide every guy an, an extraordinary experience yeah. we want yeah. a lot of our guys come to us and it's the first time they even bought a custom-made suit or had something, mm-hmm. you know, of my caliber. So we want yeah. that experience to be very different than what they get dealing with other people. And being a uh, black-owned company, um, I want to give, in particular, those of us who may not be treated as well. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of times you can have a certain look or, or whatever, and you go into certain stores and, and spend good money. And then... You kind of feel like they not don't really respect you, or they're looking at you differently, mm-hmm. or you know, like you know, uh, your money's not the same as everybody else's money. And yeah. we work very hard to give these guys, make them feel exceptional. Special. You walk through the doors, I want yeah. you to feel like, man, this is home. Yeah. Come in, sit down, let's have a drink, let's talk, let's talk about your vision, let's talk about what you mm-hmm. want. I'm not rushing to 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 make money. I'm rushing to fulfill your dream. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to see your vision and and be able to make your wedding day the biggest, most important event you've done. Because for most of us getting married, that's the biggest party we will ever throw. When else else are you throwing a party where you're inviting two, three hundred people and paying for them to eat, paying for them them to drink, (laughs) feeding and drink? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is your party. So... You know, I want to help you have your party be over the top. Every time you look at the pictures, I want you to say, man, what a day. Yeah, and, and, and for me, And feel just as nice looking as your wife, too. <laughs> exactly. But, but for me, uh-huh. it's about the experience, too. It's not just about that day. It's about the things that led up to that day. Mm-hmm. So for you to be able to uh, bring your guys to the Miguel Wilson store... And you guys sit around. We do this thing called um, uh, the groom's lounge. And you bring all your groomsmen in. We, we work on the clothes together. We have drinks. We're taking pictures. We're capturing the moment. And then I do this thing called the, um, the uh, uh, roast and toast. The groom. <laughs> so all the guys get a chance to uh, do, a to- do, a, do a roast 
It could be something <laughs> funny, a story, something about the groom, experience they had with the groom, okay? So they yeah. can roast them, or, and then we're going to toast them, okay? The only, uh, cool. the, only, the only rule is the only rule is you can't say anything that's going to prevent him from being able to get married. So it can't be none of them stories. <laughs> Right. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. So it's become and, and they do too. it's become a culture. And 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 your just just the whole experience is become a culture. Right. Right. So um for me that's I think the so the misconception is that you know what, Miguel won't work with a guy like me or you know, he you know and, and and we work extra hard to make everybody feel like they are equally as important as anybody else. We, I don't want to, I, the thing that might bug me more than anything else, if somebody feels like, just to say hypothetically, something doesn't go quite right, they say, like, okay, I'm not a celebrity, so, so y'all ain't putting it this or that, whatever. And, and that, 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 that irks me beyond imagination. That's, that's why I try to just go way beyond never to hear those statements from, from anybody. I don't want them to ever feel like because you're not two chains, I treat you you're not worse getting or less than or whatever, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. I want, I want my uh, uh, clients who ultimately turn into like family to me. I mean, I'm, I'm there yeah. when, when the relationship starts. I'm there for you know the kids, the born, all this, mm-hmm. all these life, these great moments in life. I'm a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that one of the things our culture and our people have to do is learn a little forgiveness amongst our own. You know, I think that we have a tendency when we're working in, you know, you can go to a a Target or wherever and get bad service, but you're still going to Target. You you blame the person that you received that bad service from, you know what I mean? Whereas Mm -hmm. if we go into a black establishment, we have a tendency to not give us any leeway, and we hold ourselves to um, such a standard where we blame the whole company and the whole business. Like, oh, this is why I don't work with black people. Or I think that we as a culture have to understand that we're all, you know, mistakes happen. It's how you move through them, how you deal through those mistakes. And we have to have a little more forgiveness and, um, you know, we still support and respect our our Black-owned companies. I think it's important. So why why was it so important for you to use Black-owned companies for the third annual polo? That is a great question. And the reason being is because no one else would do a luxury event and have a black champagne, a black-owned company use mm-hmm. their champagne, or a black-owned company to use their rosé. No one yeah. would do that. So if we don't do certain things amongst ourselves, why should we expect others to do it? Yeah. We have Absolutely. to be the ones to give each other the opportunity opportunity mm-hmm. to shine the opportunity to show what we can do i want to, i want people to see that as black companies we can have excellence we can do stuff on a luxurious level what bothers me is to see us 
dictate fashion. We're the ones who say, this is cool. This is what's mm-hmm. nice. This is what we're doing. Okay? Everyone else follows us, but we choose to select the white companies as the ones yeah. who are better than our counterparts. The line of Gucci is out the door every day, and I'm in the same mall. Mm-hmm. Okay? We don't choose. If you look at the front of Fifth Plaza, it's got Versace, it's got Gucci, it's got Tom Ford. Why doesn't it have Miguel Wilson on the front of the mall? Because we haven't chosen each other to be at that level. Exactly. We have we we have taken our dollars. See ourselves at that level. Exactly. So you rather needs to change. Exactly. So and then when you talk about luxury, see this is where the money, the real money is made. You will spend ten dollars on a T-shirt at a table with a black guy, but you'll spend three hundred dollars on a T-shirt at Gucci. Mm. So. It's important not only that we do business with each other, it's important that we understand that we can do it at a higher level, at a luxury level, at a level we can spend spend our top dollars. We can reserve some money at the top for each other and not just at the bottom, not crumbs. So what do you think needs to be done across the board, though? Like, what do we need to do? To change this, like, I think that one of, you know, like you said, the opportunities, but if you're not doing big events like this, like what you do, mm-hmm. what are some mm-hmm. other ways that we can make sure that we're doing what we need to do to have a different view of our products and our lives? So we have to erase, number one, the stigmatization that's been planted in our heads of inferiority of each other. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. a direct result of our education or lack of education about each other and doing business with each other. So we have to set out to earmark. I'm going, people individually are doing this today. I'm saying, they're saying themselves, just like me, I'm going to, I'm going to find somebody black to do this with. I want to do business mm-hmm. with, a, with with somebody black, That's okay? Right. And and sometimes that means you have to drive a little further. Uh, yes, I'll give you an example. I did a video shoot yesterday. Mm-hmm. My my helicopter company that is providing helicopter services for the Polo Classic is black owned, wow. and it has a black pilot. Okay, I had to pay seventy five dollars more for him to use him because I could have got it cheaper from someone else. But that wasn't important to me. I'd rather spend the money and use him and help his business so that it's a message and it also makes me feel better about about my money I'm spending. Because as long as you're enriching these other cultures and you're spending money with them, all you're doing is preparing your kids to work for their kids. So if, if, if you're cool with having a legacy of providing jobs for your kids to work for other people, then you continue to do that. And, we, and, we, and we're seeing this on a much broader scale, okay? Yes, with Breonna Taylor, okay, you see the injustices that yes. are being done. All this stuff is tied to economics. We don't realize yeah. it. It's economics. One, okay, you got to have the money to put people in place in office. A vote mm-hmm. is great, and we all got to vote. But understand this, this stuff is just game is played at a much higher level than just the vote. You got to be able to put your money where your mouth is to help people have the the, the uh, monies to get into office. 
Yes. Number two. Yes. A lot of guys, a lot of a lot. We always think, you know, the judge or or the system is built against brothers, and that's why we got so many black men in jail. Well, a lot of them in jail just because they didn't have legal uh, uh, counsel. Lawyers they didn't have. They couldn't afford a lawyer. Yeah. Yes. Lawyer. It, yeah. In this country, it, it costs money for lawyers, and if you don't have a money for a lawyer, guess what? You 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 going you going to suffer the consequence of the of the easiest resolution they have. And the reason resolution for a public defender is to negotiate some type of uh, uh, guilty plea on your behalf because fighting it is not the least expensive. Fighting it is not, fighting your case is not in their best interest. Yeah, absolutely. So until so, we change economics in the country, we got to change our economics to get respect mm-hmm. because you can march and that's great, but just like what happened with Breonna, they marched forever with Breonna Taylor. Guess what happened? Yeah. Nothing. And they, so, yeah. so marching is good, but you're asking someone to do something for you in the process of marching. When you have money, you're paying people for something, and you will get the results you want when you got the money. Mm. So it's really um, capitalizing on 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 investing in one another and. Um, raising that money. So, in, uh, so to be more specific, so when we're talking, like for example, the Breonna Taylor case, mm-hmm. um, which is so sad to us, you know, and it's almost. And I, I just, I want to say, I really hope that our listeners, you know, continue to move forward. Like these are steps in the right direction, you know, just using our voice and continuing. But what you're saying is, is that it's more than that. We need to start putting our dollars out there. How do we do that? What does that look like? So, so let me say this. You have to make a conscious effort to create millionaires within our communities. Okay. Mm. And as much as we hate to see each other shine, we got to get over that and start being fine with seeing each other being wealthy because I'm like people we, we all I tell you, most cases you see. Let me let me give you examples. You see wealthy black people when they get to a certain level, they give back and they mm-hmm. start enriching the community. You look at Bill Cosby; they get twenty million dollars of spillment. They did big mm-hmm. things like that. You look if you look at uh, uh, Jay Z, all the stuff he does and has done for our community. You look at P Diddy. Most black people when they have money, they're doing something to specifically enrich our community Mm -hmm. we have to do this at a local level where we start building each other's businesses up and therefore have an expectation that they do something back we created my my family and i'm not even a wealthy guy okay i do all right but i took what i had (laughs) i took what i had exactly i took what i had though you gotta realize i am nine years from being bankrupt. I was nine years ago, I was in bankruptcy. So I, I don't have a whole lot of building up and saving and investing over the course of a long period of time. All right? We're talking about a short period of time. But yet, we created the first black uh, polo team in history. Okay? These are the things that we, that our people can do given the resources that we spend with other communities. Because they're doing it yeah. for themselves. They're doing it for their people. They're starting companies. This at the at Fashion and Polo Classic, we have all these black companies being represented. Okay, that's the direct result of yeah. a black man in position to do so, giving each other, putting each other in position financially to enrich and to make decisions Absolutely. and to do things 
you're going to see a difference in our community that you never saw before. You're going to see but us investing in each other's companies. What do you do, Miguel, when you have people of color in power like Daniel Cameron, who, you know, black Republican, he's supposed to, he's in, you know, position um, to present evidence for the grand jury in, you know, in the Breonna Taylor case. And it's it feels like he deliberately, it feels like he didn't do what he was supposed to do and was okay with it. I mean, he actually was at the um, Republican convention, um, and he's speaking about being free of Democrats' mental plantations and all of this stuff and how we need to be free and how things need to be fair and barely even mentioned Brianna's name. Like, what do we do when you have people of color in power and that, and that's what we get? Well, yeah, I realized first and foremost, we didn't put him in power. Okay. You, right. you have, you have, you have a consortium of, of, uh, white people who will put money behind a guy like him because they will do his dirty deeds and mm-hmm. be able to say, it's you all doing it to each other. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's, it's not us. It's he, he's, you know, in color of skin, and then just, just Frank, color of skin doesn't always make you, uh, it's not the bond between us. You have yeah. a lot of good, you have a lot of good white people out here who will Absolutely. spend money with black businesses and, and, and help us. They understand the stigmatization, they understand the issues. So, you know, it takes more than just our community to to help us rise up above all all situations. Now you got a guy like him who's being used as a token, uh, mm-hmm. a token person, and he's he's open to being used because yeah. perhaps the money is more important. And, and I'm telling you something, we still deal with self hate. So yeah. many of us hate ourselves, man. I ain't gonna lie, and we hate ourselves. The and, and, that's, and, and that's it. You know. I mean, I think, you know, and I'm not saying anything wrong with that. If you want to marry a person of a different culture, you can. But he's a Republican. He's married. He's engaged to a white woman. He's anything he can do that's anti-black, he's going to do. Yep. So that's who he is. He's, he, he, he wants to disassociate himself with his grandmother. He wants to disassociate wow. himself from his history. He wants to disassociate himself from, you know, anything that reminds him of his family. So I guarantee you, his family don't even probably support him. So when you yeah. got a guy like him around, right? You know, karma, karma gonna deal with him. Oh yes, okay? he is. Life, he got to deal with. He got to deal with. So I would, I would never want to be in his shoes. And there ain't a nickel, there ain't a million dollars you can give me to trade places with a guy Absolutely. with that mentality. Man, oh so man. all money ain't all money ain't good money. And that's one thing you gotta realize too. You know, so somebody might throw some money at you to make a decision like that. You're crazy. Like, that, yep. that's, that's just you gotta your do character. Your research. You have to research. You, you know, we can't just throw anywhere and everywhere. We have to have, of course, you know, we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of capabilities, and we need to invest in one another. But knowing what the intent is, the intent should be clear, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and, and I think that if we all get on the same page, but it's so important. I could, can't even ex- express enough the important in investing in one another. And like you said, creating wealth for one another and mm-hmm. um, putting, that's the way we put ourselves in positions of power in order to make those changes where he might not have even been voted into that position if we were voting and we were aware right. and we had someone who we've invested in 
who um, who's able to speak for us, you know. So we have, we have work to do, but the fight is over. Well, you know, Carmen, we 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 didn't we didn't, we have a lack of understanding when it comes to how things are done and mm-hmm. the importance and power. Like like nobody's been talking about economic uh, mm-hmm. the importance of our economic growth. Like you know, we all understand in the conversations about protesting and marching and doing these things. We all understand that, but I tell you, it's very limiting. The real value and power we have is our dollars. And being able mm-hmm. to spend a dollar with each other is something we don't need permission to do. It's something yeah. we can all do today. We all exactly. can spend, decide, make a conscious decision that I'm going to spend my money with each other and start l- allowing that to be our narrative and let that be the situation that changes for us because we will slowly be able to create more situations. Uh, uh, opportunities for each other in business and otherwise. So I had a call today. I had a conference call this morning with uh, uh, the uh, Bahamas Tourism about bringing the polo tournament there in Bahamas. I had a call from South Africa. I was supposed to play October in South Africa in their tourism, uh, uh, their big polo, the South African Open. What happens is when, when we start doing certain things, we open the global we open it up exactly. exactly. There's money to be made around the world, mm-hmm. not just in, in 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 the neighborhood. And we can do yeah. this, but we have to start supporting each other because we don't support each other. Again, why should anybody else do it if we don't start making exactly. a stance? Because you know what? I got a young lady, uh, a designer. She has these beautiful handbags. Okay, uh-huh. Laura Faye. Laura Faye. She has these beautiful handbags, and I asked. I made a request. Of everyone attending the Polo Classic, here it is—a black event. From her bags, yeah. A black, I got a black event. I got black alcohol and spirits and champagnes. We got black chefs. We got black pilots. We got black polo players. Shouldn't you wear the clothes of a black designer to my oh, event? Yeah. Okay. Oh, shouldn't yeah. you be, lady? Shouldn't you be carrying a bag of a black designer to this event? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I so this is—I'm trying to teach, ed- educate but also give people to open their eyes and thought process to what we could be or what this can be like if we do these types of things. Just call so each other. How, how, how can people be involved in this event? Like, what do they need to do? Is it private? Is it public? Like, what, how can people it's, get it's, tickets to attend? We got tickets. We got tickets at uh, www.fashionandpoloclassic.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Miguel Wilson Collection. And in my bio, I have a link for our tickets. Get them there. Um, so those are the things. We, and we have weekend events. So it's not just that one day. We have a uh, um, party on Friday. And we have a polo and pumps day party and brunch and uh, fashion show on Saturday, October nice. 10th at the hotel. And where we're featuring eight designers, eight other black designers showcasing their uh, case. I have a young man, okay, his name, his brand is uh, Zavani, Z-E-V-A-N-I. Uh, he, uh, I met him, I went to speak to a high school about five years ago. And he'd been interned with me since, working with me. He started his own fashion brand, Zavani, and he's going to be one of the featured designers in my show. 
I love that. I love and that. And I love it well, too. Man. needs to be there for you. We want to cover these events. Yeah. Yeah, you got to yeah, sure. definitely Absolutely. have to talk about no. that. We want to cover no. these events and make sure that our listeners are aware of everything that's going on. And yeah. um, I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited at what you're doing. I can't wait to be a part of this event and to see it and to see. I mean, some people, this will be the first time ever seeing a polo tournament. Um, yeah, but it's, it's going to be the first time that anyone's seen. A black polo team. It's going to be That's the first right. time anyone anyone's came to a luxury event where Bentley is the sponsor and been my sponsor for three years, and it'll be all black businesses being represented with the food, the spirits, the designs, the fashion. I got black authors. I have black artists. We have uh, uh, black entertainment. Okay, so no one's ever been to an event like this. So you will be walking on blessed ground when you when you enter that place. You know you're in somewhere different. <laughs> and and let me explain to you. This it. is not this is this is this for me is not about excluding anyone. I am I want people of all cultures and races to attend. Yeah. The thing is that's important that people need to understand is that we're creating opportunity for those who are normally excluded. The ones that people don't think to use. This is about giving an opportunity to people that the other other events and, and, and brands would never consider. So Absolutely. that's what makes this so special, and that's what makes this so great. And I think you'll find that the products and the services and the things these companies have are just as good as anything else you would have had. All right. Well, I really appreciate you for joining us today, Miguel. Um, thank you so much for um, being so candid in the conversation. Um, we really appreciate you. We look forward to continuing to um, support what you got going on. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you uh, sharing your time with me and allowing me to share my story and my passions with your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I will okay. definitely be in touch. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your girl, Maria Jordan. And our quote of the day, if there is no struggle, there is no progress by Frederick Douglass. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your boy, Karis Jordan. And your favorite host, Maria Jordan. And make sure you tune in every Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah. 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 Yeah.